Welcome back to the Black Letter Podcast. We set out to create an entertaining and exciting podcast about law and business, and I think we've done it. Black Letter, the name comes from the Gothic typeset that was originally used in the Gutenberg Press. Over time, Black Letter became the only font that English law books were printed in. Everything else was printed in regular type. It made it harder for kind of the common person to understand what the English law books said. Black Letter came to represent something that was law, that was set in stone, that was sort of old and a well-settled fundamental principle of law. We're here to demystify Black Letter law. We're here to demystify things that happen in business and law and where those two meet. And I hope you have fun listening. Hi, welcome back to Black Letter, the podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Today on the show, we're going to talk to the CEO and founder of Balti Virtual, Will Gee. And with me, I also have Kurt Klaus, an attorney with Dunlap, Bennett, and Ludwig in the entertainment and media space. And Balti Virtual has done a lot in the entertainment media space. I checked out their website. They've done stuff for Game of Thrones and shoes for Steph Curry and The Rock and raised by wolves. So just, just neat stuff. And I'd really like to see it in person. It's hard with COVID to go to Florida and see stuff in person or to go to these displays. But we're going to talk a little bit about that and some of the challenges Will has been through. And I've got Kirk Klaus with me as well, an entertainment and media lawyer with Dunlap, Bennett, and Ludwig. So with that, Will, tell us a little bit about Balti Virtual. Where are you guys? What do you guys do exactly? Thanks so much. And, and thrilled to be having this conversation. Balti Virtual, we are a full-service software studio that focuses on building virtual and augmented reality experiences. People more and more are, are kind of understanding what those things mean. Generally, virtual reality is putting on a headset that makes you feel like you're going to another place where augmented reality is bringing computer graphics into the real world. So a lot of our work, gotcha. you've seen both on our website. When I take my phone and I look through it and I see a 3D hologram pop up, that is augmented reality. That's right. But when I put on that, uh, the you know, the Rift or big headset with yeah, the hand things my son has, that's that. I have a, I have that. One of these, yeah. That makes me a little seasick, actually. That's virtual reality. So that's the difference between AR and VR. Okay, got it. Sorry, that was a listener aside for, for the uninitiated. Fundamentally, these two technologies they work in very similar ways, even though right now one is primarily on a phone and the other is primarily on a headset. Longer term, they're kind of merging into one mixed reality or uh, extended reality okay. type of device. Yeah, we work in both right now, and uh, we're looking forward to the day that it's all wrapped up into uh, one super awesome device. So, like, are we going to be able, am I going to have a TV that does this? Uh, someday is that is that something you think will happen, or is it is it more of the specialty market? Well, it'll probably start out as glasses of some sort. Okay. Right now, you know, like you've seen the VR headsets, they're a little bit clunkier, and they're getting smaller and smaller. You know, it used to be you're you're basically wearing a TV on your head. Uh, now it's it's like the size of a cell phone, and the ultimate form factor that people are aiming for is more like sunglasses. So right. it'll probably be a good bit of time till we get there, but uh, that's certainly where it's headed. So I, I was in the army a long time ago, and I still get these magazines. And on the front of my, uh, I think it's in my VFW magazine this month, it has a picture of something the army's deploying that is a VR headset for the combat environment, where the soldier's going to have an overlay 
that ties into their weapon systems. And I was, I was a, an armor officer. I think it's really neat. Is that kind of what we're talking about? Like what these soldiers have is, do they have virtual reality? Is that what's going on with the army? Yeah. And depending on which it is, the army has done a pretty big program with Microsoft using what they call it's a mixed reality device. It's called a HoloLens. Oh, okay. And they built a right. ruggedized version of that where they can see through it. You can see everything, but then it's overlaying information like, uh, you know, someone was spotted this far away or we scanned, you know, this area and here's the map and things like that. It's really amazingly futuristic when you try these devices. I will say this for what it's worth, because we used to call the infantry crunchies. I was an armor officer and our tanks had that. We didn't have, we had a scope on the outside with information overlaid, but it was on a TV screen. But these are actually on the head of an individual soldier, like a heads up display. It's, a, it's an integrated HUD, like uh, fighter planes would have, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And those things can actually scan and record the environment in pretty accurate detail, send it back to anywhere else. And then people can make marks, annotate things, draw a path, go through here and kind of lay out steps on the ground that people can follow and all sorts wow. of things. Actually, even understand that they communicate with F-35s and basically F-35 lightning strike twos do, do the same thing. And all these maps are uploaded, kind of stitched together and Depending upon where you tap your helmet, you can see whatever, whatever thing you want to see. The overall outlay of the whole battlefield or what's in front of you or how far away something is, it's, it's pretty amazing. The F-35 has the interesting thing where you can kind of see through the plane, right? You can look around and, and stitching views from external cameras and things like that. Wow. Same idea yeah. in the battlefield, right? If you, It's essentially the uh, high-tech version of the parking camera where you can get a, a different view from a different spot and overlay it right into uh, real time. Let's dive into the meat a little bit. Well, so tell me about how you started the company. So this is a show that corporate counsel, lawyers, business owners watch. If you're talking to another business owner, you know, share with us a little bit about your struggle, I guess. Or maybe you didn't have a struggle. Maybe you're like, nope, I just kind of turned on a switch, thought it'd be cool, <laughs> and now I've got a great company. And I wish that were the case. Uh, no, it's yeah, always it doesn't happen unless yeah. you're really rich. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, well, so this company really grew out of work that I was doing while I was still in college, I started working in the video game industry as an intern, programming commercial games, so things like Xbox, computer games, things like that. Worked for a studio for a number of years, then started a small company where we took game technology and applied it to a bunch of different fields. So things like museum exhibits or training or education. We built, um, we actually patented a system that we built for the NFL. So it's training players, football players using virtual reality in 2007. And so that was like, I mean, we're still in kind of the early days, the uh, right. Apple II era of this technology, you know, relative to where it's going. Back then was yeah. like the, yeah, punch cards. Again, the army tried to do some of this stuff and it was a flat movie screen with, you know, guns attached with wires. I, I did some of that. That was a little bit of exposure in that last company. And then a couple of us got together and decided to start multi-virtual. We wanted it to be a little bit bigger, uh, really grow and create positive impact in the Baltimore area. And so okay. uh, put the company together, bootstrapped, and then just started looking for clients. And we were fortunate enough to, to find a few great ones. How did you find these two great clients? What was your secret sauce? Well, it was a combination of a couple of existing relationships that we had. So uh, previous mm -hmm. clients that were looking to do similar types of things. And then some of it was just dumb luck. We were really, one of the first things that we built was a uh, product for kids that were temporary tattoos 
that used augmented reality. So you could stick on a temporary tattoo of like a frog on your arm, scan it with your phone, and then there's a 3D frog there. And we were demoing that one day in uh, City Garage in our office. And Kevin Plank, uh, CEO of Under Armour, came in, saw the technology, immediately thought it would be cool to use. And we're off and running building a... Uh, an exit like a, an installation for their store down in Disney. So that display you built down there is a shoe display. Is that right? You walk up to it and a virtual shoe pops up. Yeah, similar. So we had a series of six shoes that were for their um, some of their signature athletes. So you, you know Steph Curry, uh, Jordan Spieth, Tom Brady, uh, Cam Newton, those types of guys. And these were physical pedestals that had the actual shoe that Under Armour had designed for them. But when you scanned it with this app a little cartoon character of like Steph Curry jumped out of the shoe, shot a three-pointer. So it kind of like brought it to life. So was, I've gone to your offices several times and, and, and you have some, uh, I know you're growing, uh, adding staff. And, and at least before COVID, you're adding staff just by the sheer volume of people in your office. And uh, you have uh, various paintings or images on your walls. And if you scan Various images on your walls, again, stuff animates, pops out. It's, it's not just limited to, you know, like shoe stands and things like that. You're, you've kind of taken it to the next steps and evolved it. What's the thinking behind that and where do you see that going? Our office, and unfortunately, we have, have not been there. I think you probably saw our old office, which was in City Garage. We moved into a much, much larger space in January 2020. And then... Perfect uh, timing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> have not been back since March maybe uh, truly virtual for the foreseeable future. But before that time, we probably had one of the, the most augmented offices in the, in the area. Um, we had yeah, posters that you could scan, things to come to life. We could talk about the long-term direction of that. Ultimately, where that's going, a lot of people think is something called the AR cloud, where okay. you pull out your phone, it sort of knows exactly where you are, I'm looking at McDonald's and then suddenly some graphics come in to tell me about the specials there. Or like everything has kind of context-aware information, which I'm sure is going to present in a mountain of legal challenges. So Will, can I ask you, have you seen altered carbon? Is it have you ever seen that? Is yeah. it like altered carbon? Is it kind of like he's walking or I, exactly not a great reference for everybody viewing this, but I think that's super. I love the show. And uh, I see those things pop out, and I, I can see that being very close to where we are now, 15 years from now. Maybe even Tokyo looks like that now. Who knows? That, yeah, that's um, definitely the direction for sure. Tell me a little bit about, and this is just, uh, you know, again, peruse your website and my fanboy geekdom. Tell me about the Game of Thrones and Raised by Wolves uh, programs, what you did for that, for that, and how that came about. Actually, from a business perspective, how did you get that lead? Like, that's a good. You know, big shows for HBO wasn't one of their one-off things. Yeah, those were those were fantastic projects. They both came a little bit differently. One of our, our kind of head of business development, uh, Zoe, on our team, connected with some of the folks at HBO, and we just sort of talk, started talking about some of the capabilities we had there, and decided to build out uh, a little test of a newer technology. Kind of up until a couple of years ago, if you wanted to have an AR experience you would have to download an app. Uh, and for marketing purposes, it's kind of a non-starter for a lot of people. So we were starting to experiment with what can we deliver just by going to the website, clicking a button. So we built out that test for hbo.com where you could go in, tap a button, 
and then suddenly it pops up your camera and there's a white walker in your living room. You know, you can take it. Oh boy. Yeah. So that was a fun one. That's fantastic. How does the camera project it into the living room? How does, how does that appear? Is you just see it on your screen, like your living room reflected with the white walker. I got you. That's right. You're sort you're sort of looking through your camera, like it's a window into, or looking through your phone as a window into this AR world. Uh, yeah, I've seen that with, um, I have a drone app that does something like that to, sure. you know, as part of the program. Okay. So I, I understand what that is. So it sounds like a lot of your clients from a business perspective, at both times you're kind of like, well, we had a connection there or Under Armour CEO walked in. It sounds like serendipity is yeah. the key to a lot of your business uh, success, which isn't a bad thing. If I could ask like two or three things that you think, well, if I could have done this different, you know, we would have been, it would have been so much better. I mean, besides renting a huge space in January of 2020, a lot of people did that. Right. That's, uh, you know, COVID sort of unexpected, but from a, from a grander business perspective, is there anything you can say off the top of your head? You know, I wish we hadn't done that, or I'm so glad we did this good things or bad things. What were the, what do you think the three success factors are for you? That is a good one. I'd say one of the big ones was we started a company called Balti Virtual in 2015. At that time, it seemed like everyone in the world was going to have a VR headset uh, within six to 12 months. Clearly, yeah. it did not come to pass, right? You know, so it was kind of this like short hype cycle thing. It's, it's a much longer build. But one of the things we were very fortunate was to quickly see the market for augmented reality and the fact that we could build these great experiences that are very unique, but that can be served on the devices that everyone has already you know, in their pocket. And so that kind of pivot gotcha. to AR and focus there was really uh, big for us. So being flexible and able to pivot with the market within your technology segment, that gave you success. Instead of sticking with, we're going to be VR and VR mm-hmm. is the future. You're like, you know what? We want to be VR, but we realize now midstream, we've got to go. So that's, that's great. You know, another one that's kind of interesting is, again, like coming back to that tattoo project, I think if we had really run the numbers and looked at everything in a very uh, a more disciplined business sense, we probably would have not built that product. But just building it and putting it out in the market suddenly opened us up to opportunities like the Under Armour thing. And then the app, kind of the core of the app that we built for the tattoos became almost a platform that we started reselling to a lot of different people. So your, your business sense, if we, you said, if I'd been logical, if I'd been like A, B, C, D, had an accountant and a lawyer, and they're like, no, this is a waste of money, but you went with your gut. So is that, what is that point there? Is it, is it making a going with your gut or is it taking a leap on something you just thought was cool that people would like? I mean, what, what was the impetus for that frog tattoo? So, you know, what, cause what made you decide to do that? That's what, what, that's what business that's what the viewers want to know. Like, what, how, do, how do you get that spark of enlightenment that gets Under Armour to be like, oh, this is cool shit? The moral there for, for us, at least, wasn't so much that like, oh, we have a great you know, sense or whatever. It was just the idea that we built something, put it out into people's hands and did it in a way that we weren't betting the farm on it. You know, right. had other kind of paying client work at the same time, but just putting it out there, kind of the, the Reed Hoffman you know, if you're not embarrassed by your, your first version of your product, you ship too late. So we just kind of put it out into the market and saw what people did with it and really learned a lot through that process. Then serendipity stepped in and yeah. 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 Absolutely. But, but, it, but you can't, you know, there's no opportunity for serendipity if you don't have anything out there. And so, right. I think so if you don't try, you never win. Sure. 
Yeah. Right. Okay. Something like that. I don't know, but I, I like that story. That's a good story. And do you have a third thing or are those the two like driving factors? I mean, you know, certainly being able to pivot and then being able to kind of take advantage of your, of what you think is neat. So you're doing something that you find exciting. That's part of what makes this good for you, right? Yeah, absolutely. What you love. Yeah, I mean, we get to, whenever we show off our products to people, uh, we always, you know, we're very fortunate to have a, a great reaction. Like it's always like, oh my gosh, what is that? We were really fortunate to figure out that just having fun together is is a big yeah. thing that drives us all. And, you know, I think that was a big reason why we built the tattoo thing was just like, well, this is fun and interesting and why not? And let's see where this goes. And let's, you know, we're constantly kind of working on those types of things. So would you say some of that, then it sounds like your culture is great. It sounds like when you go to work, you're friends with the people you work with, your other founders, there's not like this, you know, business sense of, strife or like specificness it's like we like doing what we do and we're successful at it we're going to make money is that do you, i don't know what to call that um but culture maybe positive <laughs> culture, culture. Yeah. i do think we're very fortunate we have a great culture and part of that is we work on really two core values there uh one is sustainability and betting things that we can afford to lose kind of building our business slowly avoiding the temptation of like let's double every six minutes and, you know, turn it right. to the rocket ship and whatever. And then uh, the other big thing that, that I think really helps us out is just a ton of transparency. And everyone kind of knows what everyone's doing. We're a very flat organization. You know, anyone can pop onto my calendar and see what I'm up to at any point. And I think that helps us kind of move quickly and constantly be able to reassess things. So I think those two. Things. Okay, great. Well, so Kurt, do you have any questions uh for will this things that i have forgotten or haven't brought up i'm sure there's a billion things but within the limits of our our 20 30 minute podcast <laughs> for our, our viewers not off no i'm just kidding they they love this stuff especially the genuine story so go ahead kurt sorry well i know you're involved or at least you have been in the past with johns hopkins university of major research institution of the in the world actually and they have a, a master's uh program Part of the master's and, and undergraduate program, I think, is, is involving volumetric filmmaking and things like that. Are, so are you involved? That's, that's kind of cutting yeah. edge stuff because you're getting into really precise mathematical models for 3D photography, not just still photography, but also motion photography. And, and maybe talk a little bit about what's going on there to the extent that you're able and I know it's the industry is so technology dependent and, and, and maybe talking about some of the, I guess, reluctance in the marketplace or, or inability to adapt to the technology that's required to, to really appreciate virtual reality. We worked with Hopkins for a long time, uh, really since the very early days across a number of different departments. We've got a, a multi-year project with the Wilmer Eye Institute uh, that is about using virtual reality to help assess patients with ultra low vision. So they have to perform kind of daily tasks, anything from preparing uh, a meal to getting on a subway car. And it can kind of test and create a, a repeatable environment for them. Yeah, more recently, we've been working with the, uh, they call it ISET, Immersive Storytelling and Emerging Technologies uh, School. They're doing some phenomenal stuff, really working on the, the latest and greatest tech there. And uh, we actually helped out with, in uh, this fall, 
they had a, a class where um, students all pitched different experience ideas, VR and AR and things like that. And we chose to and helped to develop prototypes for them. And one wow. was virtual reality. It, it was a, a game called gardening where you're standing in the middle of these trees and you touch each tree and then petals start to bloom off of them. And as they bloom, they make these kind of repetitive sounds. And so you're actually creating music by touching these trees. Very kind of esoteric. 1968. Yeah, exactly. And then the other one is much more kind of grounded in reality. It's called Mural City. And it's an augmented reality experience where you take this app around to various murals in Baltimore. When you hold it up to the mural, it kind of comes to life, including the biometric sort of 3D, you know, uh, Princess Leia, help me Obi-Wan type of uh, experience. And wow, the, the mural artists describe their work and tell you the story of these things. So yeah, that was an awesome opportunity. Oh, so it refers out to the artists. And it's That's just, right. not just the, so it's, a, it's experiential, but it's more than just experiential, right? Yeah, kind of, it's, it's a whole, I mean, that's the big thing with AR and talking about like the AR cloud is adding this digital layer. There's so much information about everything in the world. that's just not in context. It's on YouTube or on Wikipedia or anything like that. So taking that information and putting it in context, putting it on top of the thing that you're looking at. So if you say, I want more information, it can say, well, Kurt, I know that you love fly fishing. So here's a really cool fact about that, you know, type of stuff. You guys presumably develop novel stuff yourself, like new Mm -hmm. stuff, new inventions. Do you file patents? Do you secure your intellectual property? Do you have a program to do that in place? How how do you manage that? Yeah, we've done uh, patents in the past. That, that's obviously a pretty heavyweight process, but when it warrants, we've mm-hmm. definitely uh, gone through that. A lot of other things have okay. uh, just been trademark, copyright, commercial products, types of things. So, uh, Do you have uh, trade secrets agreements with your employees? Do you have them all signed something so that, you know, if, they, if you guys develop something, they can't take it to another company or start a competitive company, something, you know, those, yeah, those kinds of things? Yeah, pretty standard kind of like tech industry paperwork. Gotcha. So, you know, we, the stuff that you build at work, we own it. You know, your own stuff is your own kind of thing. So, so if we you could sum up the three most important things we I kind of, we kind of talked about them about your business, whether it's you know the technology, the people, the the three most important things that if you were talking to another business owner and you said, hey, what are the three things I can take away about you, your business, and your success? I think you know that flexible thing is huge. That to me, that's just poignant because that's what you mostly do now. And he didn't start that way. In addition to that, yeah. I mean, that, that's a big one. There's the kind of misconception of, you know, stick with it as an entrepreneur. Some people interpret that to mean just keep driving in the same direction, even though you're right. running into wall after wall versus the, the idea of keep driving, but you might have to turn a little bit, you know. So that flexibility. I think the other one that has served us really well is focusing on a niche. So Virtual reality and augmented reality, as you might guess, and looking at our website, you can see there's a very diverse set of clients there. Part of that is just by necessity, we're very early into this industry. And so it's not like we could say we're only going to do virtual reality for uh, commercial cleaning operations. Like there's just not enough right. of a market there. So, But focusing on the niche of VR and AR has served us really, really well because we've developed expertise that's world class. We've been able to work with these great brands that you mentioned. Uh, so that, that's gotcha. a big one. And then obviously the team, you know, they're just, just having a phenomenal team and uh, letting them do what they do. 
So to sum it up, it's being able to, while you're driving, being able to turn the steering wheel. Uh, and then second, it's being able to focus on something and be world-class at it. So being a world-class driver that yep. can turn his steering wheel. And then when it comes to um, having a good team is making sure that your pit crew and driver and everybody are all pointed in the same direction and they get along and they like each other. So I, I reduced it to a car That's metaphor, it. probably inappropriate for virtual reality, but you <laughs> the races. And I like yeah. it. Yeah. So, but if you do those things, you're off to the races. Well, thank you, Will. That was awesome. I really, I hope I can meet you in person. But yeah, thank you so much for joining us on the show. That's all for today's episode of Black Letter. Thanks again for listening. Join us next time when we talk about more Black Letter issues in creative ways. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Google Play so you never miss an episode. And to catch us on video, check out our website at blackletterstudios.com.